the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I want to welcome you to the Monday edition of Lifeline. So glad to have you on with us this very warm Monday afternoon, Monday evening, 5.05 p.m. on July 29th, a couple days before we move into August. And I trust that your weekend was good, and I trust that your week will be good as well. Uh, I'm so glad to be with you. The number is one 367 one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to reach me with a topic, a concern, uh, an issue, and uh, you know, for us to do the next two hours together on this coveted Monday evening program. Again, happy to be with you. Thinking about a lot of things. First and foremost, maybe we need to say a prayer for the folks in Gilroy. Um, I'm sure you've heard the news of uh, this destructive behavior on the part of a very young man, uh, troubled young man, most likely seeking to uh, draw attention to himself. uh, And while people were enjoying themselves at what has been a yearly event that I don't recall any problems ever occurring at the garlic festival in Gilroy for decades, all of a sudden three are dead and many are wounded uh, according to so many news outlets um, this weekend. I mean, there there was a, uh, a 12-year-old boy who was uh, killed and many others wounded, uh, and it was a young man. Uh, he's identified as Santino William Legan, um, and the police had shot him and killed him. That's so sad that he has to die. He just wasted his life. I, I don't know which way to even begin to talk about the lessons that can come out of this. But probably from where you and I are sitting or standing or watching, it really is a time to to be a prayerful people, uh, to be a people praying for for God's restraining grace. Uh, how how deeply you and I are committed to God's word and how thorough we are in understanding who the true and the living God is will determine how we respond to and understand and engage. Uh, events that are both uh, evil as well as good. And what I mean by that is, is that you you take an event like what just occurred here on this weekend and you look at it. And if you're a God-fearing person, if you believe in God, uh, you, you can do like some people do. The psalmist puts it this way. Where is your God? In a situation like this, you would get that from an atheist, agnostic, mostly atheist, 
An agnostic would wonder how one could even believe that there is a personal God who would tolerate and allow these kinds of things. But nevertheless, the question still persists, does it not? Where is your God when evil breaks out in the world? And then you find Christians scattering all over the theological uh, landscape with answers that are sometimes just pure emotional retorts to defend God from being austere and sovereign and, and and in control of even evil. They run and hide behind human free will as if somehow God doesn't have sovereignty over that as well and uh, argue that God sees it, but God doesn't have anything to do with it, and he doesn't uh, have any grander purpose behind the evil, and that is so patently unbiblical. Uh, Then you do have the other extreme that would say God's punishing everyone and everything at every time, every evil breaks out, and it doesn't have any kind of redemptive value in it whatsoever. It doesn't demonstrate uh, in a secondary way or in a remote way the mercy of God. But those of you who may be more studied in God's word, more acquainted with the real and true and living God, you would say God is on his throne and that God is still ruling over the good and the evil. And the Bible is explicit about that, that not a hair can fall from our head, but not that only God knows it, but he has provided all of the meticulous mechanisms in the universe which Mr. John MacArthur has so eloquently preached over the last couple of weeks in the beginning, dealing with the farce and era of evolution uh, and the diabolical nature of uh, the assumption that somehow we could squeeze evolution into a biblical framework. The, uh, the nonsensicalness of it is so very clear by his apt capability of teaching. If you don't, if you don't know about it, just look it up on, uh, on grace to you uh, in the beginning John lays out a very clear argument for the power and presence and sovereignty of God and control of God over all things. And as the biblical narrative lays it out, God created the universe in six days, could have did it in six picoseconds if he wanted to. Six days was a wonderful paradigm of God demonstrating for his covenant people how we are to work six days. And then on the seventh day rest, God was speaking to his covenant people in the Genesis narrative. He was not speaking to the world at large. Now, the world at large can listen to our father when he speaks to his children. But until they become sons and daughters of God, God is not talking to them directly, only indirectly. So our father gives us a pattern of how he works because he wants us working as well, which I guess I can extract from that while we are contemplating this heinous activity that a 19 year old boy, young man, boy in this condition, in this particular context should be working, should have a work ethic that was uh, derived from and given to him, granted him and taught him by his parents that when you reach the age of capable and responsible uh, work, you can be reciprocated economically so that you can begin to build a future that allows you to be a productive citizen in the world. But somewhere along the line, he missed the real aim of uh, of working and found himself uh, caught up in what happens to be way too many groups who want to isolate themselves and pit themselves over every other kind of group in the world and become hostile towards them and engage in the kind of criminal, uh, murderous, heinous 
sinful behavior that was demonstrated by this young man. We call it copycatting because we we've heard this before, have we not? We've seen this before. We are very much aware of what happened in Las Vegas, but we are also very much aware of what happened in Florida a couple years ago and what happens around the world and what's frequently happening in America and what happened recently in Italy with the killing of a police officer by two young men who have finally finally gotten caught. So what's going on with our world wherein we are seeing these kinds of um, unnerving things, by the way, they are very unnerving because, you know, you would think that you would want to be able to go out to a festival on a Saturday or a Sunday after church, after a healthy time of worship, honoring God for his blessings in your life, and then uh, engage in some uh, some free play with your family and kids and, and friends and just enjoy yourself. And then all of a sudden this breaks out. So um, are we to fear? Are we to be impeded? Are we to be snared by this kind of evil? No, the answer is no. We do what our government has often said at times when it has had to deal with these kinds of uh, upheavals that we continue in a pattern of normalcy as much as possible in order that we would overcome the intended objective of many of these kinds of criminal uh, activities, and that is to instill fear in you and change your life forever. Uh, That is a snare that the people of God must not succumb to. And if you're a human being, uh, one needs to know that these kinds of signals and signs and events They serve to have us to filter through the whole prism of what we have come to know biblically about who we are and where we are and where we're going and what our responsibilities are between now and where we're going. I mean, if you do believe the Bible that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole of the earth in behalf of those that fear him. And if you do believe the Bible that says that that the eyes of the low, uh, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro beholding the good and the evil. That God sees it. And if you do believe that God is the judge of all the earth, both eschatologically in the end time, as well as now, because he moves the hearts of the kings and God is in control of authorities. And God does bring about justice in his own way at his own time, giving responsibility of those things to mankind. And so if you are very much aware that this event gives you an opportunity to say, you know what? Um, As sad as that case may be, the first thing that God wants me to do is to pray, 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 pray for those people who were assaulted in their freedom and right to enjoy themselves in that context by the maniacal and demonic uh, influence that dominated that young man. And then pray for that young man's family, because that young man's family may or may not be a secondary culprit in this whole process. Uh, Parents are very much responsible for a certain measure of the outcome of their children in terms of them becoming adults. You know, we have them, don't we? They didn't come from nowhere. They are not the product of an amoeba. They are not the product of a protozoa. They are not the product of a tadpole. They are the product of the binary union between a man and a woman. That's the only way you can produce life. He made them male and female in the beginning. In the context of marriage, largely, Although that's completely awash today. And the child is born through the pleasurable ecstasies of two people. Here he is. Here she is. Didn't ask to be here. They're here now. And then what do the parents do? They neglect to raise them in the fear and the nurture of the Lord. 
They neglect to raise them up with solid biblical morals and ethics. Or they neglect to deal with them as they are growing up, as they're moving from pre-adolescent to adolescenthood and then young adulthood. They are negligent to deal with them according to the word of God. Train them up in the way that they should go. When they are old, they will not depart from it. Discipline them early. So that you spare them from being uh, uh, given over and run amok by their fallen sinful nature. Doctrine number two. Doctrine one, God is sovereign. Doctrine number two, parents are obligated to make sure that children know who God is, know right from wrong, know that there are consequences. Doctrine number three, God is sovereign in the way that events fall out so as to cause us to reflect upon his mercy and his severity. It's God's mercy that men and women are not, uh, uh, you know, overcome by calamities uh, all over the nation and all over the world every day. It's the mercy of God. In fact, we do see a mercy in this event, do we not? With all of those thousands of people out there, only a few died and a few were wounded. We thank God for that, don't we? Because it could have been a lot worse, as one of the uh, police officers representing had spoken in the news. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, because it could have been a lot worse. Doctrine number four, be circumspect, be vigilant, uh, because the days are evil. uh, And you do have an adversary that seeks to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. You do. You have one out there. He he wants you to die without Christ. He wants you to die without God. He wants you to die without mercy. He wants you to die without faith. That's his goal. He wants you to be with him where he is to destroy you. Um, doctrine number five. You and I are operating out of two paths. This is the path of all mankind. There's a way that seems good unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. You find that in the Proverbs. Uh, But then there's a way that leads to life. And those that follow that way, um, their thoughts are above where God is and where Christ is. The Proverbs sets that forth. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. But you and I are presently in a world where you have two kinds of people. I want to unpack that more fully after the break. What kind of people are we dealing with in our world right now? Well, we have one kind of people group who actually are walking image bearers of the true and the living God. They bear the Imago Dei. And they bear it consciously. They bear it intentionally. They bear it redemptively. They bear it biblically and theologically. They bear it psychologically and emotionally. They bear it sociologically. They bear it evangelically. They bear it prophetically. They bear it priestly. Uh, and, and they bear it uh, sympathetically. They bear it uh, cautiously. But they bear it also uh, zealously. These are the people who actually know the true and the living God. And because they're fixed on him, his image shows up in their life. In, the, in all the ways in which the Bible describes God. Then you have another group of people. This group of people does not know God. They do not believe God. They have either remained largely ignorant of God all their life because of uh, the lack of inheritance given to them by their parents, and uh, 
uh, the delusion of, uh, of an evolutionary paradigm as the framework of their origin. And these people walk as if there is no God. These are the fools of Proverbs or Psalm 14, Psalm 58. The fool has said there is no God in his heart. And therefore, they actually are operating out of a full orbed system of idolatry. That idolatry is either something that they have crafted and made for themselves, depending on how powerful they are and how influential they are. Or it's an idol of somebody else's making and they bow down to it. These are the two people groups, you guys. They are people who are very much aware of who the true and the living God is. And they are impacted by a revelation of that true and living God. Then the other category of people in our world are people who are idol worshipers. And they are impacted by their idols as well. The psalmist is eloquent in how it develops that. When I come back, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more to lay a foundation for our discourse. The conflict that exists in our world, uh, contrary to what politics would say, secularism would say, sociology would say, psychiatry would say, uh, the psychologists would say, is really the conflict really lies within these two categories. People who worship the true and the living God and reflect his character in a balanced biblical way. And people who are idolaters and don't know the true and the living God and have a course of death because they're being shaped and molded into the image of their idol. We'll come back and look at that and see how this is so crassly evident in the present expression of our our global culture today over against a biblical worldview. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, Jesse Giston. We are praying for the folks in Gilroy. We are praying for men and women everywhere, as the Lord tells us to do. I will that men lift up holy hands everywhere, praying uh, for all in authority, for kings and rulers, that we might live a peaceable and godly life um, in this present world. Um, and then we're being thoughtful about how to make sure that we do not succumb to this idolatrous system and be made over into the image of the Antichrist, the anti-God, the anti-Father, the anti-Holy Spirit, and the anti-Bible, because that's what's going on in your world. I'll be right back. Got to pay some bills. And now back to Lifeline. We're back at the time, 527 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines are open, one 367 Two lines are open if you want to call in, chime in on our conversation, chime in on the event that occurred, or chime in with a question or a comment that you may think is worthy of a discussion. Uh, reading uh, further into the event in Gilroy, there apparently was a six-year-old boy named Stephen Romero who was also... Uh, killed, as well as a 13-year-old girl and a man in his 20s. So there you have it. You got a 12-year-old, 6-year-old, 13-year-old man in his 20s um, having been killed, their lives having been, you know, just cut short. They had all their life in front of them to to live, and and uh, now they are they're gone. They're gone. They're they're out of here. So again, what what is the fundamental point that you and I must know that we live in a world that's broken, sinfully broken, that that at present the hearts of mankind outside of uh, a real relationship with God in Christ is is governed by uh, the flesh, 
uh, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and operated by and controlled by the, the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians 2, 1 Peter chapter 5, and so forth. And, and the fundamental outcome of a Christless culture and world ultimately will be a world of pain, of brokenness, of sin and death. That's where we live. And in, in, in that context, the, the true believer has to be able to negotiate his walk with God and his walk with himself and his walk with his fellow man in a way to uh, to accomplish the will of God. You, you know, you and I are running a race. And uh, we need to be running lawfully, running diligently, running effectively uh, as we as we make our way towards uh, meeting our God one day. And uh, and one of the ways to be able to do that is to pause, as the proverb says, the righteous wisely consider it the house of the wicked even though God still destroys it. What does that mean? It means that when evil occurs in this world, this world is the house of the wicked in terms of uh, Satan's rule over it. When evil occurs in this world, there are lots of lessons to be obtained. Sometimes the loss of uh, a fellow uh, humanitarian or a fellow human being will lead you and I, if we're believers in Christ and we are out of the way, uh, lethargic, careless, and aimless in our, our daily practice, it might lead us to repentance. That would have been an act of mercy on God's part to allow an event that happens probably hundreds of thousands of times in some kind of way or another around the world, but does not receive the news media uh, attention that you and I get out of this particular event. Um, if we were to see all of the evils that were going on around the world all at once, we wouldn't want to live on this planet. I assure you of that. So in a lot of ways, when we do get snippets of it, it's designed for us to recognize God's mercy in our life. In fact, for us to rise up every day is an act of God's mercy. Two lines open, one 367 one I've developed the two paths of, uh, of uh, mankind uh, as we make our way through the program. I'm going to go line one first and talk with uh, Jermaine. And uh, and uh, let me see here, Richmond. Jermaine, are you there? Hello. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Good. What's your question, thoughts, or well, observation? I had a question about um, when these mass shootings and, and these uh, killings happen, something always comes to my mind. I always wonder about, like, the demonic realm and, I guess you could say, like, demon possession. It's not really talked about a lot, but it seems to be some of these people have an unusual anger, and they lash out in in these destructive ways. I know a lot of our society now, they laugh at those things, and and a lot of churches don't even make mention of them. Some overemphasize it, but with these children um, in this generation, it seems like they just focus so heavily on, on music that's constantly giving them evil lyrics, the television shows and, and just society in general. I just wonder when you see something like this, is it possible that it's a result of some kind of demonic oppression or possession? Well, yeah. And that, that would be a, um, a fundamental assumption on the part of the believer. As I was basically speaking about Jermaine in my um, monologue that uh, the Bible is clear that um, when one is outside of Christ, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through five, when one is outside of Christ, we are walking in darkness. We are spiritually dead, disconnected from God. And therefore, all of the positive virtues uh, 
of the image of God that should be in us are not operating. Uh, a uh, a value of life, a value of human beings, a respect for um, uh, property, a respect for citizens, a, re- a respect for others uh, at the level of equality with ourselves, a respect for the fact that God made us all in his image and in his likeness is, is – um, is uh, bereft in the heart and mind of the unregenerate. And when they are secondarily, according to Ephesians 2, 2, controlled by the prince of the power of the air, who himself is desperately vacuous of any kind of righteous attributes, his whole objective, as we learned in John 10, 10, is to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's stealing God's glory. He's killing uh, the spirits of men and then bringing them into bondage as kind of walking dead persons to do his bidding. Uh, we saw this when uh, when 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 Christ uh, healed the demoniac uh, man uh, uh, who who was possessed with the legion of demons, and those legions uh, begged Christ, be, besought him to let them go into the two thousand swine that ran over the hill into the abyss, into the sea, and they were drowned. We therefore see by virtue of that mass illustration that the goal of the adversary is to kill everything that God has made because that's his objective. Now, if we were to peer into the process by which one rises to the level of killing, actually willing to kill people and take on that personal uh, obligation, we can probably, you know, speculate rationally and uh, and and uh, and and logically around the things that are absent in that person's life. Uh, parents that are disciplinaries, parents that establish borders and boundaries and parameters of righteousness and morality in the lives of the kids, parents who are discerning about what kids uh, engage in, parents who are committed to a relationship with their kids, Jermaine, at the level of knowing how the kids think, what they're thinking about, what their ambitions are, what their aspirations are, what they want to do with their life. The goal of the parent is a labor-intensive goal of being in the kids' lives, not only as authoritarians, but as guides and as um, divine, uh, uh, divine manipulators, if you will, divine influencers of the children to make sure that they are on a right track in terms of how they think about their world themselves and God. So as to minimize as much as possible them becoming peons and uh, uh, emissaries of the devil, uh, which is what the devil uh, markets in. As you know, he markets in young people. He markets in uh, the naive. He markets in the curious. He markets in the people that are uh, wanting to, to break through the fences and parameters of authority. And this moves me into another category. So I do affirm you that there is a real danger in the area of uh, parents who just say, well, you know, I'm going to let my kids think the way they want to and do what they want to and, and go where they want to, where they're not parents. Give up the cards. Let somebody else train them and teach them how to be uh, well-meaning, well-conducted, well-practicing adults in this world because you've just shown yourself completely inadequate on that level. Uh, but when once the kids are old enough to be, have to labor for themselves in their own conscience and mind around uh, what their parents have taught them and around their culture, they are fit to be tied. 
they are overwhelmingly impacted by all of the recruitment agencies in our world. Uh, At the door of their hearts, at the door of the minds of our young people, is a legion of demonically controlled institutions with their propaganda seeking to uh, lay hold of the will of our children, the mind of our children, the heart of our children, the uh, emotions of our children, the psyche of our children, and reshape their identity away from the influence of their parents. First thing this world system wants to do with young people is sever them from any kind of obligation and commitment to parental authority. This is a, uh, a very clear agenda on the part of our secular society now, society at present, particularly in the area of gender, as you know. And so when you are talking about young people, you know, watching things that are promoting evil and promoting perverseness and promoting hostility and promoting conflict and promoting war and all of that. Well, yeah, that that's exactly the material that the enemy has always used when it comes to uh, recruiting people who can be recruited recruited up out of families and away from authority influences that are good for them. That's the battle that you and I are fighting as parents and as grandparents, et cetera. The battle of making sure that we have done all we can to help our kids understand both their calling as human beings and the consequences of their actions ultimately before God. And I would say, Jermaine, that it is an understatement that uh, what is taking place in the world is uh, is uh, demonically influenced. It's an understatement. It is absolutely uh, demonic. It is absolutely the consequence of principalities and powers in in wicked places. Not just in some kind of you know religious way, but in a very uh, very very strategic and concrete way. And it shows itself in uh, philosophies and worldviews. It shows itself in politics. It shows itself in education. It shows itself in entertainment. And then ultimately, it shows itself in uh, the sociological expressions that you and I are talking about now. It is really a fascinating reality that the secular uh, world system. Uh, is a ubiquitous educational institution that is constantly reshaping men and women into its own image, which is sliding me into uh, the discourse that I'm going to get into after the break. So thanks for the call, my dear brother. And uh, don't fail to pray and don't don't believe for a moment that this is not at the foundational level. Uh, demonic in its nature. It certainly is. I've got to take a break. Two lines open, one 367 Two lines open, one 367 Now, you, do you know why the vast majority of Christians don't want to go where Jermaine is going? Do you, do you want to know why? Because Christians are too weak to take prayer seriously. Because if we know that we're dealing with unseen forces that are way beyond our capacity to deal with at the intellectual and physical level, then we would know that prayer is absolutely essential as a major, major preoccupation in our lives. But we're too weak to pray as a church aggregately. And so we are overcome with as many snares as this secular world system is. I'll be right back. 
And now back to Lifeline. We're back at the time, 547 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Giston, with you. We are talking um, all things spiritual relative to uh, this crazy world that we're in. We're trying to make sense of what happened in Gilroy. And uh, Jermaine, your question was very good. I hope to unpack that a little bit more in the second hour as we deal with the uh, two kinds of human beings that are walking the earth. Uh, The article that I read earlier concerning the Gilroy event goes on to say Cheryl Lowe and Candace Marquez, who were also working at the festival when the shooting occurred, told today on uh, Monday morning that they were only about 10 to 15 feet away from the shooter when they noticed him. Lowe's boss and her husband's her boss's husband were both shot and taken to the hospital. The latter hit three times and now in critical condition. Lowe's granddaughter in a nearby tent, helped shield the three-year-old son of her grandma's boss during the shooting. She was a hero, Marquez said. She grabbed him and saved his life. Addressing suggestions that the security at the event could have been tighter, which we always say. Contreras said, honestly, security was great. They weren't extremely invasive, but they checked my fanny pack in my backpack, and I felt they were thorough. You know, metal detectors are not going to really detour or do anything to someone who's carrying a semi-automatic rifle. Um, That's very visible, she said. Contreras also said she wasn't particularly shocked by the shooting. It's a shame that it's happening, but I think this is just a reflection of the current political climate, wherein people are feeling more comfortable being violent, she said. This is the America we now live in, which I'm kind of ashamed to say as a U.S. citizen. She's absolutely right. Uh, We are moving down that line. Uh, uh, Things are unraveling, and uh, we will discover down the line that it will really requires something of a much more uh, significantly um, uh, um, oppositional uh, level to the unraveling of society and the expressions and manifestation of hostility that's occurring. It's going to be far more than a police increase, law enforcement increase is going to take uh, the mercy and kindness of God to change hearts. What will keep people from... uh, Killing has changed hearts. It's ultimately never changed legislation. It's changed hearts. We never seem to learn that. But anyhow, let me go to line number um, three, line number three, and talk with Ellen and Sam Mateo. Two lines open, by the way, one 888 Ellen, are you there? I certainly am. Now, Pastor Jesse, I'm going to just say something for my own uh, piece, and then I'll get into my little comments. And this is what I have to repeat almost 20 times a day. I'm in this, we all know this, so this, I'm not saying anything we don't know a thousand times. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I will not be conformed to this world, but I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. I mean, if I don't, if I don't say that 20 times, particularly in light of, of Gilroy, and there was also a shooting at a, at a festival. I'm from um, back east, New York City, and there was one in Brooklyn. Where, sure people killed. Yep. So, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this, this, this world is Satan's world. I mean, we know that. He's the father of this world. Yep. Uh, there's a big part of me at times, you, you said it earlier, you said if we knew everything was going on in the world, we wouldn't want to be here. Yep. And there are many times, uh, Pastor Jesse, where I just... Uh, so this is my dilemma. Um, and I'll try to be concise because I know there are a lot of people who want to discuss this. And, and I, I had a different question, but in light of the the Gilroy uh, thing, and, and uh, I'll just tell you briefly what I was going to say originally, and then I'll tie it back in. 
Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, and, and anyway, he knew my mother. My mother's been deceased for many years, and he played me a beautiful song. He often plays a lot of uh, beautiful songs to me. He's, and, and, you know, Ella and, and, and uh, rare recordings and, and uh, all, all kinds of things. And so he plays me a recording because I was missing my mother, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful, Pastor Jesse, beautiful recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's voice was great. The production quality was is, uh, is superb. And so anyway... Um, I said, who is it? And he said, oh, that's, uh, and I, he said, guess. I said, I, I, said, I can't guess. I, I don't have a clue. A beautiful voice, by the way. Mm-hmm. It turns out it was R. Kelly. Okay. Now, I have a friend, uh, you know, a lot of people that say R. Kelly, they hang up the phone. Now, this was not a salacious, uh, there was no violin. It it's a very tender song about his mother. Sure. And beautiful production. And I didn't realize what a great voice he has. Sure. Now, uh, this friend starts in on me, another friend, not the one I was talking to. How could you listen? You're not a Christian. You're not saved. How could you listen to this song? Now, I mean, it was a beautiful song. It actually brought me to tears. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're in this world, so we have to reach out. You, set, you hit the nail on the head like you always do. Uh, we have to pray. Prayer, prayer is so important. But we also have to interface with with sinners i'm a sinner you're a sinner let me tell you i still have a long way to go sure so you know i mean let, let's not be off pious here mm-hmm. this guy this 19 year old uh he was angry apparently a witness said she said to him, why are you doing this he said i'm angry yeah of course the, the spoiled kids are, are just people who don't have jesus they get angry when it doesn't go their way because they don't understand the mercy of God and the sacrifice made for it. If you don't under sac- understand the sacrifice made for you and me, Pastor Jesse, and all Christians, then, yeah, you're going to be angry. You're going to be angry when something doesn't go your way, because your perspective is so skewed. But anyway, I, so, so my question about R. Kelly, I, mean, I don't want to talk about him specifically, but am I not being a Christian if I, if I can appreciate the artistry of someone? Now, I don't know if he's guilty. Uh, I, I don't well, know. Well, have... you don't have to do all that. But I actually like your first question because generally when people call, they actually, we actually ask for some kind of uh, content for the call because we, you know, we don't like to really take people that want to be stupid. And I actually like your first question. It has to do with reconciliation with Christians. But let me tie... Um, let me quickly uh, affirm something about that statement. The individual who told you, who retorted that, you know, you're you're acting like you're not a Christian because you listen to uh, you listen to R. Kelly in a particular song that had nothing to do with the advocation of those things for which he is being alleged uh, a pedophile and a rapist and things like that. Uh, that individual is exercising the height of hypocrisy, and either they have. Um, uh, personal, emotional, and psychological, and spiritual issues themselves, or they're just not your friends. This is, this is would be called hypocrisy, and you you really do want to assess. Ellen, whether or not you want to maintain a relationship with that person who may feel as if they have the right to jump on you with that kind of criticism, extreme criticism that no friend would do to any other friend if we really cared about them. It would be one thing if I informed you. If I felt like I needed to inform you that R. Kelly is a problematic individual for whom for whom uh, you might want to be careful not to associate with. But this is what we would call a genetic fallacy and logic. And people do it all the time. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, guilt by association. Uh, you you made the very clear observation. We're all sinners. 
We go to restaurants. We go to stores. We go to small places, big places. We purchase this. We purchase that. We gather a lot of things from places where people work, where people own, where people are a partaker of those institutions. If we, if we knew everything that was going on in people's lives with whom we do commerce and business, um, we would probably not want to be able to deal with them on any level at any time if mm. we knew all the things that we would know about them. Starbucks and Pete's Coffee and all of them, they're all what we call new age companies that are so wrapped up into a postmodern liberalism that it's clearly unbiblical, but I still buy their coffee. I like the way that one, uh, because we're in the world, but not of it. I also like the way one of my upline pastors long, long ago uh, said to me, he says, yes, we, we, we can't get distracted by uh, people's brokenness in their own personal lives. He says, I'm, I'm from the South. Uh, but, 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 but I, I would buy barbecue from a Yankee, uh, because the barbecue is good. And because we're American citizens and we're free, if his barbecue is good, I'm gonna buy it. I'm not going to just not buy it because I'm a Southerner and he's a Yankee. And and that would be the same case with black folks and white folks. That would be the same case with, with uh, gays and straights. Uh, just because you own a restaurant and you're gay doesn't mean I'm not going to go into your restaurant and get something to eat. Now, if you're trying to promote your gayness, then that's going to be a problem. But I'm not going to confuse or conflate your humanity with your sexual predilections if, in fact, that set of sexual predilections does not bleed over into your right as a human being to run a company. So. Uh, it's not surprising that R. Kelly would have wrote a song to his mama that would be warm and that would be kind and would be gentle. Um, many human beings are sociopathic that way. We can compartmentalize. Uh, you got a lot of songs that are written by a lot of guys who did a lot of crazy junk uh, back in the day. You do know that, Ellen. I can tell that you're at least close to my age, so I don't even want to begin to name all of the beautiful songs that are out there by fornicators and adulterers and, and philanderers and misogynists. Tons of stuff. So whoever that was that said that to you, they were both unkind and hypocritical. Well, I, okay. I appreciate that because also he laid into me about the fact that we were at some place and they were playing, um, uh, it, it was kind of a festival for, I don't know, doo-wop music or something. I love doo-wop. Oh, please don't even get me started. All right, and now, you, now, you know, uh, now we, we got to shut it down, but I love yeah, doo-wop. I so don't let him take your liberty away from you, girl. Well, if he, he, it, he was <laughs> angry because I, I, I said something about the wall of sound. I grew up with that. I was born in 1950 in the 60s. My little AM record, see, see, Phil Spector and Ronnie's see, voice. Come on, girl. And See, and, now we're way off the topic. I know, I know. <laughs> but the point is that, that, you know, we do have to pray for sinners. Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. But we don't have to separate from them and do what Isaiah, God condemned the Israelites for. Don't stand near me. I'm holier than you. That's ridiculous. That's anti-evangelical. It's Phariseeism. And it doesn't actually demonstrate the grace of God. I mean, if the music is good, if the lyrics are of love, if they are talking about intimacy, if they even are talking about the kind of stuff that goes on between two lovers, as long as it's not explicit or pornographic, Mm -hmm. it's actually way more helpful than some of the crazy stuff that we hear today (laughs) give me a love give me a give me a love song give me a ballad any day give me give me give me some of those old ballad love songs any day of the week compared to some of the the absolute raunchy undisciplined unkind un non-eloquent stuff that you and i are hearing today i had my first 
my first hug, not a kiss, a hug. <laughs> uh, and, and it was so, Soldier Boy in the Shirelle. See, I love it. I oh, love I mean, it. Yeah, don't even get me started. But anyway, I'll let you go. All right. Thanks. Thank you're going to you be so all right. You go, you're going to be all right. Ken, hold on. Joseph, hold on. We're going to cross the, the Red Sea here into our second program, and uh, we will take it up a notch. If you guys are listening, we're going to be unpacking the uh, the two ways of humanity. Uh, one is the, the people whose eyes are fixed on God. The other are the people whose eyes are fixed on their idolatries. And we will see the clear and evident uh, distinction between the two. Two lines open, one 367 Two lines open, one 367 I'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 